The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 45, with Nick Buchan. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. What's going on, everyone? Before we get into the interview and conversation with Nick, I wanted to let everyone know that located in the show notes, there is a link to download a self-assessment that I put together for the rotational centers of your body for the golf swing. This is a great way to take a look and see if you have enough rotational mobility in these areas for the golf swing because odds are if you're lacking mobility in any of these three areas, you're probably having inconsistent shots and or you may be experiencing pain or may develop some pain later down the line if you do not do anything about it. So with that being said, in addition to downloading that, you will get resources that will help you fix anything or work on some of that mobility later down the line, but you first have to download that resource. So go ahead, click into the show notes and download that resource. It is the rotational self-assessment make sure you go ahead and do that. If you do not have access to the show notes, please feel free to reach out to me via email at joe at puredrivephysio.com. All right, let's get into the interview with Nick. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'm your host, Joe O. And if this is not your first time joining us, thank you again for returning for another episode. This week, we have a great guest from across the pond, Nick Buchan. Nick has been working and training with golfers for handfuls of years at this point, I believe. I'll let him tell you more about that. But uh, why don't we just go ahead and get right into it, Nick? Thanks for coming on and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are today and working with golfers. Yeah, no worries. Well, fa- first of all, thank you for thank you for having me on, Joe. It's uh, it's uh, it's to be good. But uh, yeah, as you say, I've been working with golfers for probably yeah eight years, sort of exclusively or more or less exclusively now um yeah so so my story is uh i don't know uh i uh i had a crack at being a a pro golfer turns out i'm terrible um so i retired at i don't know 21 (laughs) um a little bit earlier than that actually probably i was yeah 20 um yeah so so sort of retired um because i just couldn't cope with i probably wasn't good enough and I couldn't cope with the mental aspect of mini tours, uh, you know, sort of travel, money, living in car with not much money, <laughs> etc. Um, was was not that fun, and I probably didn't like golf at that point. You know, I, I quite I didn't. When you're a kid, it was kind of fun, and when you when it's your job, it's like, oh, I need to hold this putt to eat. Nah, that's not as fun. Um, so so I kind of uh, I probably fell out of love with the game. To be frank, didn't genuinely didn't play for years after that <laughs> went and did uh, went and did a degree which was still in golf weirdly uh did a did a degree in golf that sort of covered some biomechanics and coaching and, and stuff like that did my pga uh as well so you know uk pga sort of golf coaching stuff um to be honest that didn't help that probably sort of made me fall out of love with with golf even more um so i ended up coming out of there and uh while I was at uni, I started powerlifting and just 
you know, went into the gym from there, really, and just lived in the gym for a couple of years. I was working at a uni doing S&C for scholar athletes, so that's not quite as big over here as it is kind of for, for you guys. You know, my uh, my university strength coaching was probably six guys uh, across multiple sports who, let's say, came with various levels of ability and hunger <laughs> um, or alcohol in their system, depending on, you know, which way you want to interpret that. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, to be honest, I just got quite lucky and I sort of was doing that and was quite happy doing that. And then TPI sort of happened, started to pick up some traction, and that was cool. Um, and I sort of thought, okay, these are the two things that I do. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a strength coach, and I know something about golf still, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I just started writing on a blog at that point, and it all went from there. You know, probably a year after that, I sort of left my university job and was coaching golfers full-time, and... Fast forward, you know, eight years, but we with a lot of sort of golfers across being really lucky as far as a lot of it was online and you know, I sort of hit the front of that, I suppose. Um yeah, I work with golfers pretty much across every continent. I've done most major tours now apart from the PJ tour so I need a PJ tour player if anyone you know if yeah I'll, uh, you know I'll, I'll happily work with uh, got a couple of corn fairy guys that will hopefully you know might tick that box uh, <laughs> in a in a year or two um but yeah work with work with a lot of pros at this point in time um and yeah and uh, quite a few amateurs as well so the guys that take it you know seriously want to get to the next level um but you know i've got a day job with everything else that kind of comes along with that and to be honest one of the things i found is there's not much difference there <laughs> you know? all the challenges are still kind of the same between pro and amateur ranks really so so yeah that's where we're, we're at now i guess awesome well last week nick and i had some time to just kind of talk shop and um we didn't actually talk about this but he made a pretty good post about it and then we were just talking before we started recording of how he caught some flack from uh, talking about some of these things, but I figured today we would talk about screening and uh, assessments. And if maybe they're even the same thing, we can maybe talk about that, but screening, because I know I do a screen with all my clients, like the TPI screen, but um, you know, again, I can go a little bit further into that and we're going to go into that, but why don't you go ahead and, and I figured we would talk about, you know, screening what it is is it doing what it say it's doing or you know what do we actually think it's doing and how important is it really yeah yeah cool um yeah so i think you know i think i think what it is is the big point so i think you know i would i would say something similar at the start of it you know i do screen maybe it's not a tpi screen but i do screen and assess every client that kind of comes through the door um and there is a movement screening component within that, you know? And so essentially I'm probably, I am still screening a lot of what TPI is screening. I maybe don't use the same exercises as TPI. And probably a lot of that is just practical. Like I, I do, a, a, obviously at the moment, so we're still in lockdown in the UK. I can't be hands-on with anybody. So some of those screens don't work particularly well online. Like, so I'm going to change them. Um, and, yeah, and part of that's about, you know, what I want to see as a 
Like I have certain exercise and certain things that I want to know as the practitioner, as the coach. So therefore, certain screens will kind of suit my philosophy, let's say, better than others. Um, so there are slight differences there, but I certainly do still screen sort of or everyone that will come in in some way or another. Um, I think I think what it doesn't do is the big thing. I think, you know, I think the fitness industry is probably guilty, as probably a lot of industries are kind of, okay, so we've got this new shiny thing, and therefore that is the panacea of all ills. And screening in golf, I think, has probably been that for a long time. And, you know, that is probably not the case. I think the headline, if you kind of, you know, uh, going through this, the headline is probably that screening is a part of the process, and it isn't that necessary uh because it is a part of that process and you know it's got to fit it probably doesn't predict that certainly doesn't predict performance probably doesn't predict injury it has a role to play in predicting injury i think the the primary thing that i'll use a screen for and i, I do use it sort of some fmsy stuff for this and i do quite like the fms for this is basically for me as a coach to sort of go, okay, what movements could I load with this person? What movements would look good? And what movements maybe do I need to stay away from a little bit because as soon as I add load to that, it's going to look pretty crappy pretty quickly. You know, and maybe I need to do some work on whatever might be limiting that. Um, but I think it's just important that we sort of, you know, that is really what a screen is doing, you know, and we don't sort of, take it beyond that and go, yeah, it's going to, you know, your golf fitness handicap or whatever that is. If you get that down, you're going to lose, you know, uh, it, that's going to bring your scores down to things. It's not. We don't have any evidence for that at all. You know, they are useful parts of the process. But, you know, we can probably get into talking about screening versus assessment and things. But if you're talking about what I do in, in taking a new player, that is a piece of information. And getting that piece of information better is part of the process and, and probably a reasonably small part of the process. There are other bits of that picture that I think get missed that are much bigger parts of that process and will have and will, you know, we can say for certain do X and maybe not score, but certainly it's very hard to assess score from a research point of view and link those two. It's a little bit like, there's there's no real link in research between posture and pain, possibly because there's just too big a there's too many things in between that to kind of link it together in a research study. The same would probably apply. Golf and you know, so score is very hard for research to sort of pin down on a physical point. But clubber speed is relatively easy. We can so a lot of research will look at clubber speed for that reason, and then you can extrapolate to okay, there's lots of data on clubber speed influencing score, so we can kind of assume that. Um, there's a lot of stuff around that that I think, as far as assessment and screen, just doesn't get talked about, um, and and therefore you're probably ignoring a large chunk of the process when you do that. Yeah, I think with screening. Right with the TPI, if anyone's gone through a TPI screen, you get a golf fitness handicap. It's basically just a num just a number, just like you would have a regular golf handicap score. And you know, the higher the number, technically or in theory, the worse you're moving in terms of your body in relation to 
the golf swing, right? And if you improve that, does it mean that you're going to be a better golfer? You could assume that because you're moving better, you might be a better golfer. But like Nick was just saying, there are lots of other things that go into how you actually play as a golfer other than just how you're moving. You could have the best movements in the world, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be a good golfer whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think anyone that's done a, a, an amount of screenings would tell you that I've seen very good golfers that move absolutely appallingly. And I've seen appalling golfers move pretty well. You know, if you take something like a TPI movement screen, most professional athletes, certainly if you took FMS, most professional athletes are going to move through that better than your average pro golfer, let's say, without, you know, we're stereotyping massively, but, you know, there's a higher level of physical uh, readiness and, and, and skills generally in sort of team sports, contact sports, uh, that kind of stuff. So those guys would, would fly those screens and do better. Doesn't make them a better golfer <laughs> um, at all. Um, the, the, the handicap bit, you know, and, and so I suppose the first thing, that's one of the biggest problems with screens is if we want to say that part of saying, okay, this reducing this handicap is going to make you better is establishing a link between the screen and performance. And we part of that is that better performers should do better on the test in order for the test to be value measure of performance. Better, better for performers should do better than poorer performers, and that is just not the case in in the screen. You know, and there has been there's you know every, anyone like I said would would that's done an amount of screens would, for TPI would say that's not the case. Um, TPI, to my knowledge has never really been assessed in terms of research, in terms of its ability to predict performance. Um, it's been tested in terms of its ability to predict. So TPI has those 12 or 13 swing faults. And it's been, a few of them have been tested. And is this link valid? And sometimes yes, sometimes no, is the answer to that. But it hasn't really been tested from a performance point of view, i.e. I suppose you could do a study. What is your handicap? What is your golf fitness handicap? Are they in any way linked? The other study you could do is if we reduce your golf fitness handicap, does it reduce your handicap? Those studies haven't been done. FMS has been looked at in a variety of sports from a performance standpoint, including golf. Um, and it does not perform well. Uh, in, in So it has been looked at in golf. Does your FMS score predict your golfing ability? Like I said before, when you talk golfing ability in research, generally you talk club and speed because it's the easiest thing to measure or the most practical thing to measure. And club and speed is not score, so that is an argument. Um, but basically, there is pretty much zero correlation between the two absolutely zero <laughs> you know? um like alarmingly little um movement screens do not predict performance and have never got close to doing so uh, across any athletic endeavor they don't even if you said that the sort of baseline see nfl combine you took the tests in there they don't even predict performance in those tests let alone the sort of performance in the sport um the other thing that I think is is worth mentioning in regards to sort of the fitness handicap element, 
most of the research is pretty critical of that as a concept. Like it's been very critical of overall scores in any sort of, so what most screens will tend to do is add up all the scores and give you an, one number at the end for sort of how well you move. Most screens have been very critical of that as a concept. Most research has been very critical of that as a concept. And there is just human movement is probably very, very complicated. Uh, and if you're going to condense it down into a number, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Uh, and that's been yeah, consistently sort of criticized and used as a way of of saying, and one of the things they have looked at within FMS is saying, okay, the individual screens are probably fairly valid, but when you, or certain individual screens are valid, but when you add them all up and produce a composite number, that validity seems to disappear a little bit. So that is an interesting sort of finding in regards to the handicap element, uh, for sure. I think when, you know, you're talking about adding or, you know, at least predicting performance, right? The only thing it's predicting is movement and how you move. And maybe that can be helpful. It is, it can be helpful in terms of saying maybe what this person can or cannot handle in the gym. I would like yeah, to probably do that, some other that's, tests. That's what I said. That's what I think a screen is for. It, I Ultimately, it is for, tell me, I, I, it's a systematic way for me as a coach to go, okay, you can't do X and X very well. So it would be stupid of me to try and do that with load and speed to develop a training effect because it just isn't going to work. On the flip side, you do this very well. Let's make hay with that, you know. Um, I can load that up. I can add speed. I think that is some that is the appropriate use to me of, of screens, and that's something that I do do, and I'm very happy with that. That's the way it should work. It's when you try and extrapolate that out into some of the other aspects, like you're saying, that I think we run into trouble, and I think golf is more guilty than other sports of doing that yeah i think it's so easy because we can you know it's a marketing thing in terms of a straight line yeah of of scaring of scaring someone saying like hey this is not a good score that means you know whatever but you're you're not going to play well or all these other things but i think you know the point of a screen is just a top-down thing it's a screen that's all it is and that's when you need to be make sure that you're going to someone who can or who has the knowledge of who can look a little bit further potentially as to why you can't get into some of those positions potentially or and or work on those things. Like if if your person isn't a medical practitioner or I'm not exactly sure what you can or can't do as a strength coach or a trainer or anything like that in the UK, but at least here, typically you cannot, you know, stretch or like put your hands on people and work on them manually unless you have a license to do that. Yeah. We can't do manual, but the line is blurrier because right. we are to do sort of assisted stretching and things gotcha. like that. I wouldn't do anyway, but yeah, you know, but, it means it means that I could sort of, you know, it means yeah. that there's a gray area there where I'm allowed to put my hands on you, and therefore there are certain things I could do <laughs> that I think you go. That's yeah, you know, I'm fairly comfortable that that's within the scope of my knowledge. But am I comfortable with that because I'm a PT? No. <laughs> it gives a little bit of grace. But anyway, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but I think, you know, saying why, we'll just use a, a deep squat as an example, right? I mean, that's a, a something that we do every day for everyday activities that you get into a lot of movement screens. A lot of people think it's very important, and I, I would agree. 
And there's lots of things that could say why or you why or why not you can't get into a squat, right? And we were talking about this a little bit before, but is it, you know, a mechanical block, you know, at your knee, at your hip, somewhere, you know, in your ankle? Is it more of a motor midline control kind of deal? Like you just don't have the stability to do it? Or is your brain just not allowing you to do it because it thinks it's a scary movement and it says, don't do this, right? And we need to change something in terms of the nervous system. So being able to look at that screen and then break it down and say like, look further into that is I think the next part into assessing why or why not someone can do something, right? I mean, that's what I think a screen is for my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, I, I, you know, we talked uh, a little bit off air, like, so I think there is a difference between a screen and an assessment. Um, and, and I, you know, I would, I'll use an, an example. I think this will make sense to, to sort of everybody listening. Hopefully, you know, I think a screen is just to illuminate something essentially. So I would use a screen. Uh, so like I say, I work with, with a lot of guy, a lot of sort of mini tour pros uh, around here. And, and most of those guys will come with a, with a, team as such so essentially what that means is most of the time i am working in console with a technical coach uh from a screen point of view when i'm going to use that screen is when we're on the range and we're looking at that player and that player is and the coach is going i would like him to get in x position or he doesn't do x the way i want him to is there a physical limitation that could affect that? That is when I might do a screen. And I'll insert a little side note here, which is there's still a caveat to that because there is still an argument that that isn't correct. So, so one of the things that potentially a screen suffers with is an intensity problem. So the one of the big things there is your brain controls movement. And the method your brain uses to control your movement at high speed and and high levels of complexity, i.e. a goal swing, is probably a completely different mechanism to the one it uses to control low intensity, low load, slow movement. So a screen, a screen will always suffer from an intensity and specificity problem i.e. just because you can do it in the screen or you can't do it in the screen, it's probably a different movement. It's, it's controlled in it. It's not this, but a, but essentially think of your sort of the difference between your conscious and your subconscious brain, right? A movement screen can be controlled consciously. You're aware of what you're trying to do, probably, or trying to be asked to do, and you're doing it in a slow and controlled manner. There is a conscious control of that movement. In the golf swing, there is no conscious control. In actual fact, your brain probably is not even involved in that process um, at all. So they are different things. So, so there is a question mark there over whether you can actually do that, you know, anyway. But a screen can be, I do use screens at that point, and I think it can be valuable for me to, for them to say, okay, you need a certain amount of range of motion here, and you don't have it. But I think it's important. So all that is doing is highlighting to the player and the coach that there is a physical problem that I can try and improve or something physically that I can try and improve 
that might make that the job of changing that motor pattern a little bit easier for them. Um, it is important to, that that is a screen. It is illuminating the picture, if you like. It isn't an assessment, i.e. it doesn't tell me why. It just says you can't do that. It doesn't tell me why you can't do that. And that, I think, is where, to me, that is the line between a screen and an assessment. Then what I will probably do at that point is go, yep, cool. Okay, you need to get here in the golf swing. You struggle to get there as far as a range of motion issue, you know. And I think, to some extent, table tests can be quite useful in that regard. You know, I think that's a good way of saying, okay, do you actually just baseline have the ability to get there from a sort of joint mechanics, uh, you know, a very mechanical point of view? I think there's some validity to table tests there to sort of tick that box and possibly more so than than a, a sort of a traditional movement screen, let's say, where there's a lot more going on there. Like there is a lot of neurological effect and you therefore have that problem of, of intensity a little bit more. Um, but just something to say, all right, just something to, to highlight the problem, to elucidate the problem, essentially. That is the screen. Then I'm going to take them back to the gym and work out why, <laughs> as far as an assessment. Uh, that will probably be in the gym anyway. Like, you know, there is, in the modern world, I'm quite lucky. A lot of times those players are hooked up to something biomechanics or force plate related, and that might be able to tell me the why anyway without doing too much other stuff. Um, so that might happen at golf course, but a lot of time we're going to go back and go to the gym and, and look at, okay, let's assess the why now, and we'll look into... Again, some table tests can be useful there. And, you know, we can look at some more PRI-based stuff. We can look at joint positions. We can look at, uh, you know, is that, like I said, is that a structural block? Is that a, a positional issue? Is that some more to do with control of movement in terms of neurological stuff, central nervous system stuff? What exactly is the problem there? Why can't you do that? Uh, like I said, the screen is a frontline thing that to me is just painting a picture of the problem. And that is what it should be used for. And that is also, like kind of alluded to, a nice, I think, that is a nice piece of information for the player to have. And that's great. So we're going to say, so now the player's got a piece of information of, I can't do this in the swing. I also can't do that in a more general movement sense. This is the test that tells me whether I can do that or not. Okay, and we're going to go to the gym, work for a couple of weeks. And now I've got a very, it creates that nice straight line. Like I said, now you can go, let's, work out why, let's assess it, let's try and correct it, uh, and then we can go on to, yeah, and then we can retest and and see, okay, does the screen pass? Has that improved in the gossip? Now we have a very, the, the road to progress has been laid out, if you like, and the screen is a very useful part of that, but it shouldn't be informing what that road, it shouldn't be informing the end goal, and it shouldn't be informing how you go along the road. You know, it should be a signpost along the way to stretch this analogy, possibly to breaking point. Um, but, uh, you know, that is, I think, where the screen fits uh, and what you're going to do to move along the road and where you're actually going are different things. To me, where you're actually going is probably indicated by performance stuff. And it amazes me how many sort of golf fitness people, let's say, kind of don't look at that. You know, I'm not saying that I'm personally going to assess that, but with every player, I know what their club speed is. I know what their dispersion numbers are. You know, 
I know how good a golfer they are, <laughs> you know, um, and I know what they're looking to improve. Uh, I think sometimes that gets missed. That is the end goal. Your screen results are not the end goal. And I think sometimes I had a conversation with uh, another coach recently. I think sometimes sort of in the fitness world, we can, because it's relatively easy to improve the screen and it's relatively hard to improve performance. I think we can use the screen as a way of abdicating responsibility for the performance measure going up. And we can just say, well, the screen's gone up. That's that's my job done. <laughs> you know? And then we can sort of go, well, the screen's better. So anything else is, I suppose, essentially the golf coach's fault. <laughs> you know? um, we can sort of use it as a way of abdicating responsibility sometimes. Um, so, yeah, the end goal to me should be informed by performance measures. And then how you're going to get there is well, is drawn out let's say by assessment and the screen is a way of signposting some stuff along the way um, kind of how i how i would articulate that yeah i think that was great i think um you know for anyone who's listening who's a an amateur golfer and has gotten a tpi screen has been worried about your number on the the you know golf fitness handicap i always tell most of my people is like look don't worry about that this is pretty typical it doesn't mean really much of anything for the most part. Will we try to improve this? Yes. But at the end of the day, with anyone that I see in person, I do other tests as well. And if I can do some tests on anyone that I see remotely or have them try to do some of them themselves, I try to have them do that, especially in terms of what I would consider a little bit more predictable in terms of achieving what we want to achieve. So maybe I think what, um, people are wondering are what are some of those performance measures that you're looking at? Like you had just mentioned club head speed and dispersion numbers, but are there other things that you're looking for that will get them towards that end goal? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think if you just come back a, a little bit, one of the things I would say is when it comes to improving your goal fitness handicap, I mean, you're saying, don't worry about it. I, you know, I completely agree with that. And I think a very easy way of looking at it is how many different ways of swinging a club are there, right? You know, John Ram's swing does not have the same requirements as Dustin Johnson's, as Justin Thomas, as, you know, go back a little bit and sort of Adam Scott, Davis Love, those tradition, more traditional two-plane sort of swings. There are different requirements for different swings. And you can probably, you know, one of the interesting things about a mobility restriction is you can swing around it. <laughs> you know, you, yes, you know, it's a conversation I have with, with golf coaches all the time. It's like, yeah, okay, there might be, a, there's, there's a couple of things there that maybe that golfer doesn't do well from a movement standpoint and maybe we could work on them and maybe that would help. We could do that and it would take a long time because fitness interventions do uh, generally. Or you could turn your left foot out and you'd probably get the movement you want. Which one do you want to do? You know, I think the golfer probably, you know, a lot of times you can swing around that stuff. And, and this will lead me on because there's a, uh, you know, I think one of the things I often talk about is you can probably swing around bad mobility. You can probably find a way to get the club on the back of the ball. You probably can't get over a lack of ability to produce force. There's probably not a way around that at, a, at its most baseline. And one of the things that I think, um, so there was a 
piece of research done by David Hume. The date escapes me, but it's fairly old. I'm a plump for 1999. Um, but basically what he did was just look at the determine the all the different things that determine ball flight. All right, and basically said how far the shot is going to go. Uh, and the interesting thing about that is he produced this little flow diagram, and that little flow diagram basically will go down to the things that you can control, and the things that you can control are all physical. They are all your body, but none of them are about mobility. They are about your ability to produce force and your ability to summate or transfer that force all the way up your body and into the golf club. Um, they are the things that we can measure and that we know. We can be pretty confident that if we generate an improvement in that measure, your club head speed at very least, it may be not your performance, <laughs> they are two different things, your score and club head speed, but your club head speed at very least is going to go up. We know that if you increase your squat 1RM on the whole, you will increase club speed. If you jump higher on the whole, you will increase club speed. Um, Jack Wells, um, UK guy, University of Birmingham, he's done a whole raft of uh, sort of uh, of research on this stuff, um, basically looking at what predicts club speed the best. Um, and so kind of built a, uh, I've built a, a an assessment process based off of that and the European tour use an assessment process based off of that, which is slightly different to the one that I use. That's probably practical more than anything else. I They have force plates readily available uh, everywhere they go and I don't. Um, so, so they do a few different tests that make, you know, uh, that make use of that. Um, but essentially, yeah, your strength in a squat or whatever other movement you want to use to test that is probably indicative um, of club speed and therefore you want a way of testing that so personally i will test that in a number of in a couple of different ways um depending on the athlete i'm gonna have them just do a track bar deadlift and just work up to a max Sometimes we won't do that because obviously that's not possible. Just from an experience point of view, I messed around with doing leg press in those cases and I don't like it. Um, I just don't think it works in the same way. Um, and then the other thing we'll do is a squat jump. Squat jump is really interesting. So a squat jump to me and various people will define, will mess around with this and, and decide it's wrong. And that's fine. I just want to get clear on the terms. Squat jump to me involves a pause. So there is no there is no counter movement. There is no stretch shortening cycle involved in that. Uh, so a squat jump, no stretch shortening cycle. I will use that as an indicator of strength, uh, as a strength test, but it is also, from Jack's research, we know that that is probably the best indicator of club speed. So what he did was take squat jump, counter movement jump, and a, a more reactive drop jump. So essentially you'll step off of a step and then go straight into the jump. Those three jumps, from a technical point of view, the squat jump has the longest contact time on the floor, so the longest time to produce force, so the most, the more force that you can produce, probably a little bit more associated with sort of maximal strength, the drop jump, less time, more reactivity, more speed, that kind of stuff. Um, that squat jump is the highest correlation of those jumps, pretty comfortably as well, and they get worse as the time gets taken away, so counter movement is better, and that drop jump is or counter movement is better than a drop jump and the drop jump has the least association to club head speed.
Um, so what I will do is a strength measure, if possible, then I will do squat jump, uh, and then I will do a counter movement jump. And that allows me to work out uh, an elastic utilization ratio, which basically is your sort of blend of strength and versus speed, let's say. Um, and that will give me, you know, there's a certain elastic utilization ratio I'd like to see with golfers. That is beyond the bounds of research. But the important point is um, that those jump tests and those strength tests are, a, are they do what the screens don't do, which is predict performance. And they predict it well. We know that if those numbers go up, your club is people go up. We know that with a certain degree of certainty. So, you know, there's some high, if you look at that research, there's some high numbers there as far as, you know, as far as the validity of that research, any any sort of research tends to be assessed on sort of the, the power of the, uh, the power of the, uh, of the conclusion is tested from sort of naught to one. Uh, and squat 1RM, for example, is about 0.86 correlation. That's really strong really really strong in a, in a research sense um in contrast the fms stuff is like i said before pretty close to zero it's kind of point you know point one a little bit under that thing's point zero eight two something to be yeah. to be precise um so those those tests are really well documented i get into the realms a little bit of tpi as far as so TPI have a strength and power screen that uses similar stuff. There is very, very little research in that is publicly available. <laughs> so TPI is a private company. The, the data they have is not publicly available. Uh, we're certainly in the UK, we're probably quite lucky because most of this stuff is being done by university research grants and therefore it is publicly available and it's very hard to have a have a disagreement about sort of TPI versus other research because of that. You're comparing stuff that you don't know, <laughs> essentially. But they use a lot of medball throw stuff. There is very little research publicly available that links that. There's a couple of studies that look at medball chest throw, and the link is good to club speed. There's not much, to my knowledge, although I think there's quite a bit in the works. Um, that looks at more rotational throws. That doesn't mean to say they don't correlate. It just means the research hasn't been done. I would imagine they correlate like, pretty well. Um, but the research hasn't been done on a scale that has been published. Um, yeah, that doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means that it hasn't been done. I think that there's pretty good anecdotal evidence. There's pretty good research from people like Chris Finn uh, and ETPI over here that that definitely says that those correlations are pretty high. They just probably haven't, don't have the threshold of kind of numbers to actually publish the research. But yeah, medball throws and jumps, I think on the whole are going to be your things that are actually going to predict performance from a club at speed point of view. And I think if you're not, as a golfer, if you're not getting that stuff done as well, you are missing out on, you know, on a fairly big chunk of, uh, of data that should be informing your training. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. Good thing to know that I use most of those things. So I've, I have modeled myself a little bit after Chris doing the chest passes and the, the shot put throw. I was looking into doing some of the TPI stuff, but after um, some discussions with some other people in our realm, right, that talk about 
doing like the split squat row and they're looking yeah. at all these other tests, but it comes down to a point of, you know, yeah. is that, uh, are you really measuring, uh, you know, their, their ability to row in terms of strength? Because at a certain point, the legs yeah. are going to be contributing all those certain things. I think that's an interesting, I think that that is a really interesting test just for a quick aside, a couple of seconds. I, so someone like Nick Tomalello has a new screen and that's, he draws a slightly different distinction to what we have in terms of screen and assessment. Uh, and he would consider, I, I, I like the way that he would rationalize that. He would rationalize that as an assessment looking at structural balance. Mm. Nothing, you know, I, I look at those TPI sort of strength tests and I don't do them, but I look at them and say, what is the rationale for them? Why would I do them if I did them? And I don't think the rationale to me is not as a strength test. It is to say, okay, actually what I, and, and you can kind of see that because it makes sense. All the, all the, all the sort of pass marks there are percentage of body weight. What they're looking for really is ratio one compared to the other, which is probably not a screening or, or an assessment. Again, it is a structural balance thing <laughs> let's put it that way right. that's probably useful do you need to formalize that process most clients are going to come in you're probably going to have them squat push pull you're probably going to work out pretty quickly within a session or two oh you're pretty weak on you know left arm pull or you know whatever it might be um so i don't know that you get a lot from formalizing that process but i think that is probably if you do, your rationale for using that should probably be around structural balance, symmetry, that kind of stuff, rather than if you're looking at strength testing to clear the way, if you like, for distance and clubbing speed and ultimately performance, squat and bench press. Yeah, if you get into an interesting conversation about how applicable they are to your average client, but... They are the two that that have been researched, and they are the two, you know that is an interesting point. Do we know that they work because they're the two that have been researched, or because they're the only two that work? Probably the first, um, but they are the ones with the strongest associations right now. So if you're looking to just find a test, they are your tests um, to sort of, and therefore they are the they are the things that you're going to want to measure reasonably regularly to say, okay, if that goes up, that goes up. Yeah, some of the some of the I don't think that applies to some of the TPI strength tests as far as split squat row and they do a cable push as well, right? Yeah, Is I believe so. Yeah, dance? I don't know if that's split stance or I can't remember. I haven't. I, I just remember looking at them when I took the class, and then I haven't put them into practice whatsoever because, yeah. like you said, I haven't found the, the utilization for them to be. Yeah, well, right? I don't think many do. To be honest, I mean, there are. The, the power tests that TPI do, I think are, there's more yeah. validity to them and a lot of people use them. I like to use those, yep. I don't use the sit-up throw. I don't use the sit-up throw either. I don't think many... I, 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 it's interesting. So it hasn't, it hasn't been researched. That is not because it doesn't work. That is because no one can be bothered to research it. Um, I think is the bottom line there. I think a lot of people don't use it just because it's a bit of a faff. <laughs> compared to compared to some of the other options um yeah. practically it's annoying to set up it's it requires some coaching it does where in a way that throw this ball from a seated position as hard as you can 
at my head doesn't, um, you know, and, and it's more technically difficult. Like I've seen, I, uh, I have used it with a couple of players as an exercise and I don't do that much at all anymore, but I have in the past. And the thing I would say is that it's technical. Like uh, there's a learning curve with that. As a, so if you do that assessment and therefore you do it a fair amount in training, they'll get a lot better at it, mainly because they've got a lot better at performing the test than they've got at than that, you know, which is an interesting point in regards to screens anyway. And are you training to pass a test or are you training to get better uh, at what you're actually sort of trying to do? Um, but yeah, that's, I as an assessment, that's one of the main reasons I don't like that, I think, because it is, I could coach you, you could practice and you'd get 20, 30, 40% on that in a day. You haven't got stronger, you're just better at that test. Whereas I think in a chest throw, yes, there's some learning about, okay, if I'm measuring the distance of that chest throw rather than the, the force produced, ideally we'd measure the force produced, but if I'm measuring the distance, there's a slight skill there. There's a, you know, the velocity, the, sorry, the, the height you're gonna release that will affect how far it will go. So there's a little bit of a learning curve, but that sit up throw has a big learning curve. Yeah. And I, to me kind of i don't want stuff with a learning curve as an assessment for those reasons well yeah there's yeah i mean again all of those tests i think again in addition to the vertical jump and it all comes down to the practicality what you have available to you your time you know it all comes down to those things but hopefully like we had talked about you know your person who's ever screening you or or working with you is doing a screen as a top-down look, going further if possible, if not referring them to someone on their team to help dig a little bit deeper as to why you can't do X, Y, Z. And then also hopefully they're doing, or you have the ability to look at those other tests, which really aren't that hard. You know, get a med ball, throw it, you can do those. And vertical jumping is, you can just jump. You don't need to have anything fancy, just take some tape and put it onto a wall basically. Yep. Um, and there it is. But Hopefully that was um, helpful into illuminating movement screens if they're if they have a place if they're helpful which I do think they do it's just not as much as not as much as we put emphasis on them um, but Nick I want to be cognizant of of our time but I do have some fun questions here at the end that I always ask everyone yeah um, let's go for it. let's go for it awesome. Um, First one, real simple. What's the best golf course you've ever played? Royal St. George's, which is also kind of my local course. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's, pretty, yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. All right. Next question is you have a risky approach shot into the green. Are you going for it or are you laying up? Now I'm going for it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I would have made a better decision. Yes. <laughs> Understandable. Now I just hit wall, go find it. So let's just hit it as far as we can. If it's somewhere near the target, great. If not, yeah. I will. <laughs> there you go. Target again. And then uh, last question. You're going to go out for a round. Who is in your dream foursome? Ooh. Um, Palmer, player, and then someone that is not of that generation. <laughs> um, Michael Jordan, I'm kind of fascinated by the likes of... Jordan Woods and yeah, like 
I definitely think there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of research on like being how being happy leads to success. And then you look at the people that have utterly dominated particular sports. I'm not sure there's a hell of a lot of happiness there. I just, you know, just I'm just fascinated by those, you know, those sorts of individuals and what makes them tick. And they 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 just seem different to the rest of us, you know. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um, any last words uh, of advice or wisdom or anything like that to anyone who may be doing screening, getting a screen, or you know, just wants to get better at golf? Yeah. So so I think you know, as far as doing the screen. Yeah, you know, there, there's there is definitely. I'm not saying like, like I began at the very start. Are use screens? They're not. It's not that they're not useful. It's just that they are. I think that analogy works. The goal should be a performance goal. You know, keep the goal. The goal. The goal is to get better at golf. What do you need to do to do that? Do you you know what's your club speed? What are your dispersion numbers? That's the goal. Keep that as the goal, not your movement screen elements. Um, and yeah, and then decide on how you're going to get to that goal based on assessment, which is probably jump test stuff. Is it getting better? Strength stuff. Is it getting better? And then like I said, go further in those screens, those underlying tests of what is the block here? Is it mobility? Is it structural? Is it joint alignment? Is it neurological? You know, those things are going to inform the process and the screen is more or less a way of highlighting and checking progress <laughs> it's not it shouldn't be informing anything about the process it is just checking that pro checking progress so then if you're having a screen with someone i think you know you've got to look for someone that is that is sort of using that process in that way you know um if they're saying this is going to do this let's get this better and then the way we're going to get that better is to do that as an exercise you know, I would question that that's going to carry over and you know, say, say if you take an external rotation test, is improving it going to make you a better golfer? Debatable. Is doing lots of external rotation at low load, that kind of test, as your training, going to improve anything other than the test? Debatable again, cunning. So, you know, you, if you're looking for a practitioner, you need to be looking at are they using a process that, that sort of, you know, the screen is part of the process or we screen the process again. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I think the other thing from a golf point of view, as far as golfers, I think there's a big thing of, Oh, we've got to have a screen. You've got to get assessed and you've got to do that. And, and there's an element of that almost acts as a barrier to entry a lot of times. And it, it, it highlights the process. That's it. So just starting without it is better than not starting. You know, getting, you can, even if you don't assess your jump, even if you don't have a movement screen, getting stronger will still increase your club speed. Getting stronger doesn't require an assessment. You know, get in the gym, pick a lift, do it, um, come back, you know, go away for a couple of days, come back. Do it again with a couple of K heavier than it was last time. Repeat. That's how you get stronger. You don't need, you know, I think, like I said, sometimes screens and fancy programming and that kind of stuff can almost act as, oh, I've got to have golf-specific training, so I've got to do those things. And they're kind of a barrier to entry, I think, uh, a lot of times. And they don't need to be, you know. 
even even from a mobility point of view, yeah, screen would help. Kind of like I say, it illuminates the way a little bit, but you probably need more hip mobility. You probably need more shoulder mobility. You probably need some thoracic mobility. You probably need some core strength. And you probably need to change alignment in or improve your joint alignment in fairly predictable ways. Humans are humans <laughs> at the end of the day. There is some difference, yes, and there's nuance, but there's still general principles as well. And <laughs> you can still go and train like that and you're not going to be far wrong at all. Um, so yeah, I think for, as a golf from a golfer's like that would be the biggest piece of advice is just go for it you know something is going to be better than nothing and don't get caught up in the idea of that screen love it nick if anyone wants to get in contact with you if they have a question or want to work with you what is the best way to do that yeah sure um so probably instagram right now to be honest um so it's golf strength coach golf underscore strength underscore coach uh that's probably the uh, the best place to uh to sort of get in touch with me um uh there's a, a website which is strongergolf.co.uk you can contact me through there as well um uh, that website has plenty of other ramblings there's a blog there that goes on for a very long time so if you want to sort of you know hear hear more of my thoughts um for whatever reason they're probably all in there uh, and yeah as far as sort of contact and interacting with me instagram is probably the best place to do that awesome nick thank you so much for coming on today and chatting yeah no worries Joe. thank you for thank you for having me it's it good fun all right and there you have it that is the episode with nick buckin I hope that was very helpful and seeing the difference between a screen and an assessment and why it's really important for whoever you're working with to go a little bit deeper, if possible, after going through a screen to really see and tease out why you're having issues or limitations in the screen. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Or if you have any questions specifically for Nick or would like to work with Nick, please go ahead and reach out to him on Instagram. His handle is located down below in the show notes. I will also link up his website as well. So go ahead and please check that out. He has a lot of great stuff on his blogs as well that I would highly recommend you look into. All right, let's officially wrap this episode up. Thank you so much, as always, for taking the time to download this show and take the time out of your day to listen to two guys talk about golf. Hopefully it was helpful to you. I know that you could have chose anything else to do during this time, but you chose to listen to me and Nick chat together. And for that, we are forever grateful. So with that being said, keep working hard, keep striving for excellence, because when you feel great, you go great.